0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here for our second podcast. I'm Clark Hodges. And I'm Craig Hodges. And we're going to dive into some issues today that the investor out there is uh, tackling these days. And Ron, how are you doing today? I'm good.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here. And I'm glad that we're tackling some of these (laughs) issues in this order because I think it's really important. So we're going to run down a couple of things. Um, At what age should somebody think about getting an advisor? What does a job change have to do with it? That can be an important component. Um, If you're moving, do you move your money with you or do you stay with an advisor you trust? Do they have to be where you are to be effective? Um, And the level of skill, lots of times that drives it. You know you're not able to kind of manage your own money after a point. I don't know to what degree age plays into that. And also, I find this interesting. You guys brought this to my attention. Inheritance, baby boomers are for the most part, you could say, living with a great deal of prosperity, right? And wealth, they're going to transfer that wealth and you're going to have a whole new generation of young people, younger people um, who are looking for help with that. Are you guys seeing that, uh, Craig, with your clients?
2: Yeah, you know, you, you, you get every walk of life. Uh, I've been doing, invest, invest, investing uh, people's money for 30, going on 35 years now. And I've got clients of all ages. I don't think age has too much more to do with it. I think more than anybody, when you get to the point where you need help, where most of my clients say, you know what, I trust you. I, want, I have a job. I have other interests. Um, I could do this in the two hours I had a day, but I would probably be a disaster doing it. And so it's really it really comes down to finding somebody you trust that's competent and mm-hmm. I don't know that age has too much to do with it. I will say that, you know, the majority of our clients are kind of 40 plus, but with the Robin Hood phenomenon that's going out there, you know, there's more and more people being introduced uh, to investing. And I imagine there'll be a lot of mistakes made mm-hmm. at early ages, and it'll probably be needed to be turned over to uh, to a professional at some point.
1: Well, Clark, I don't know if if I'm a case study here, but I know that as soon as I was making what I thought was a decent living. Around 23, 24, I started putting money in a 401k because I was always told if your company offers it, put it in there. When I left that job, I had this money, which had grown to some degree, and people saying to me, well, you shouldn't just roll it into your next company's 401k. You should get an advisor. And that was the first time that I began um, shopping myself. So is it about that life change, sort of that job change that, that prompts some people? Um, early on in life to start thinking about getting professional help for their money. That is (laughs) you bet. If you've got,
0: uh, if you've been a job for say 10 or 15 years and you've been in that 401k, you've accumulated some money. And then all of a sudden when you leave, you have control of that and you take it with you, you roll it over to your own choice of brokerage firm. And all of a sudden you have a new responsibility for that money. Mm -hmm. And it kind of changes your perspective for sure, because you've probably been invested in funds and now you have the ability, if you want to, to buy individual stocks. And I think that's something you kind of like, Ron. But that that's that's where that responsibility changes a little bit. And I'm sure nerves enter into you know managing your own money.
1: Is there a psychological? I mean, I know it's hard because everybody's different, might depend on your overall income, what other savings you have, but is there a psychological number combined with an age where people think, okay. Retirement is something that I'm actually beginning to fathom and think about, and I have this money that I want to grow, and I don't know what to do with it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely that, but it's different for everybody. You know if you talk to a state attorney, a state attorney might say, you know I've got clients that they they have to have you know you know twenty million dollars to feel comfortable. Or you might have a client that says, I just want you know, a small nest egg. And so mm-hmm. it's different. That's, that, that, that formula is different for everybody.
1: Yeah, Craig, it is different for everybody because I know and have friends who say, as long as I'm mortgage free, the way in which I budget and live my life and what I need to make me happy doesn't involve a lot of traveling or material things. And, and I just need this amount it really is different for everybody is it not it is and and i think it's important early
2: early in in life is to figure out what 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 you need to live on and then what excess um you know plan your vacations plan the things you would like to do and with and whatever's left over You need to invest that because that's your future. That's what your that's going to be your livelihood. um, You know, if you retire, when you retire, or if something goes wrong. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's never too uh, too early to invest. You know, the the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago. Uh, The second best time is today. So um, start as soon as you can,
1: and it'll pay off for you. So let me let me ask you this because we're going to get into. Um, the details and the differences between a financial advisor and a registered investment advisor, uh, of which you are a registered investment advisor. There are differences there. There are differences too in mutual funds and ETFs. These are general terms that people who say take a 401k and transfer it over to an advisor, they, they begin to learn a little bit more about these. Let's start. I know it seems like it's basic, but for a lot of our viewers, they really don't fully understand what a mutual fund is. Clark, can you explain to us what that is?
0: Sure. A mutual fund, generally speaking, is a basket of stocks where you have your money in it, but your money is co-mingled, if you will, with other investors. Obviously, you don't know those investors, but you choose a fund based upon usually the track record or the process that that uh, money manager has. And you've looked him up and they said, okay, this is someone I'm going to put my money with your money's in there with everybody. You you literally don't have any control over what that manager buys. Mm-hmm. He may buy 100 stocks, he may buy 500 stocks. And you sometimes you don't even know what they own current day. You can find out later down the road, but it is accumulation of your money with other people's money so that that manager that you all trust mm-hmm. is managing that money for you.
1: So when someone constructs a mutual fund, how thoughtful are they in making sure that these companies sort of either all have something going for them or there's, there's something, some commonality that might ensure that generally speaking, it does well?
2: Yeah, there are all shapes and sizes of mutual funds, all different styles. You know, there's different themes out there. You know, you go from one spectrum where you're just buying the S&P 500. Let's say that you, you buy, yeah, like the S&P index, mm-hmm. you know, you're just getting 500 stocks and you know, you own all of them. Right. And then there are sector funds. And like you said, funds that have a different kind of theme, if you will, where they really, really specialize in it. What I've noticed over the you know, the last 15, 20 years in funds is that just about, the majority of funds out there are kind of all doing the same thing. They're trying to pick the stocks. And mostly, they've picked the stocks that have done well in the last period. They're kind of mm. wanting to kind of almost closet index, if you will. And that's one thing we try to do. We try to buy stuff that that everyone else doesn't own, that we've done the research on, that we feel like is going to be what everyone goes to in the future. Uh, you know, the term, uh, you know, skate to where the puck's going to be, not where the puck is. And so, Interesting. yeah, so there's all different shapes and sizes of funds. I, in fact, I heard the other day, there's, there's a couple Texas funds where- you know, there, there's a lot of theme of uh, or a lot of talk of Texas growing and a lot of people are moving to Texas. Well, the th- thought there is, well, if a lot of people are moving to Texas, then I would imagine uh, Texas companies will benefit in the next handful of years. So, in so.
1: other words, if, if uh, Texas-based real estate companies that might be public, yeah. for example, right, or have, an, have a, a predominant... Um, presence in Texas might do better than a real estate company exactly. that maybe is in a, in a state that's not seeing yeah. as much growth. But there's um, all shapes
2: and sizes of funds out there.
1: So the ETF, that is, as I understand it, right, that is that is a collection of companies that are all in the same sector. So you may have like an electric vehicle, an EV ETF, an aerospace um ETF Craig do you like them do you work with them do you invest in them there there are there are some good sector
2: funds now the the, the most common ETFs are just the big indexes you know the S&P 500 um you know the you know the, the Russell 2000 those type indexes where basically like if you buy the S&P 500 you're basically buying a
1: share of 500 stocks so basically if i'm watching on a ticker how the S and P 500 is doing on a daily basis. That's how I'm doing right. in that fund. Yeah,
2: if it's up two percent, you're up two percent. Yep. All and right, I, and that's 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 how that works. But if
1: I get on the S and P 500, that could mean that's an average. Obviously, that one company is down thirty percent while another one's up eighty, and I'm going to yeah. look at that and go, "Why aren't I in more of these companies that are gaining in value?" Well, of the, their stock? the main reason
2: people are so enthralled with with index. Funds Right now, there's been so much money move into that area in the last 10 years. And it has done tremendous. The index investing has been tremendous. But as history goes, everyone always goes to what has just worked. And Mm -hmm. we we feel like the better way to invest is instead of buying all 500 of the S&P 500 find the best 50 managed stocks in the in the S&P 500 find those mm-hmm. find the ones that are that are emerging or that are out of favor that people haven't been buying and we feel like you'll outperform the market by doing that that's not popular right now but but it, we we feel like going forward you know it ebbs and flows and i think you know go, stock picking is com- is making a comeback and i think you're going to see the next 10 years where Uh, active management, stock pickers do better than just buying every stock in the market.
1: Well, Clark, to that point, I have a question for you. So if you're picking individual stocks based on the value of the company and other factors and its potential growth, I would think that would mean that even if the market is way up or the market is way down, there are going to be growth companies regardless of that environment.
0: Yeah, there's always going to be companies that you can say oh, that's a, an expensive company from a from a valuation standpoint or that's a cheap company from a valuation standpoint.
1: Regardless of what the market's doing.
0: Regardless of what the market's doing because you always are going to have sectors that are going gangbusters. You, you know, just look at technology in the last few years. Look at the electric vehicle stocks you mentioned earlier. That Those kinds of things are usually high and, and very expensive because their their stock prices have done so well. Doesn't mean that it's a great investment now. Doesn't mean it's not a great investment now. It depends on the the horizon for the investment manager. But you're always going to have sectors that are lagging. You're always going to have sectors that are outperforming. Mm-hmm. And, and that changes. And the ebbs and flow of that is really what you pay that manager do to do. He's doing his research mm-hmm. and he's trying to find the next maybe sector or group of stocks that may do well. Is you there
1: know. a sector right now you both are looking at, Craig, that you're thinking, OK, based on... X, Y, and Z. This sector could benefit from what's happening right now.
2: Yeah, we we think there's going to be a lot of inflation. Uh, Interest rates have been low for a long period of time. The Fed and the government has been sending out money like crazy. It's going to inflate things. So we at the Hodges, you know, at the Hodges Capital Management headquarters we 're obsessed with finding things that will inflate along with inflation and those are you know material stocks energy stocks you know things along cement steel uh, copper wire uh, you know those sort of things so that 's one area um, you know and, there, and there's 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 healthcare you know the demographics of the average uh, american is getting older and older and as we all know as we get older we see the doctor more so healthcare is going to be a a, a good area we believe for for the next decade or so home Te- building yeah home building technology is always going to be uh there's always going to be forefronts and new discoveries in technology that so you have to you can't just own everything but you know you have to really do your research to find where is technology going so yeah there are a lot of industries that uh that, that we're finding, you know, good good valuations and good investment opportunities.
1: Clark, is there a sector that that was really hot, say, I, I always hate to say last year, because last year seems to be such an anomaly with the pandemic. Um, certain companies ended up being boom because of the pandemic. Others were bust. But just in general terms over the last few years, is there a sector that you were really hot on and you start to, you started to see it wane and you've moved out of it a little bit?
0: Well, I think there's two different ways to look at it. You know, probably the best sector that that i know of that probably is still a good sector to be in was what craig just mentioned the home buyers i mean the pandemic showed that people are going to move to the suburbs anything associated with home buying or home building Mm -hmm. was doing pretty well Um, the electric vehicle market was doing well but that's kind of betting on the come it's it's going to happen down the road where you're going to see a charger for a car at every Department store and every grocery store. And that's yet to really happen, but it's coming. So, you'd say, in my opinion, you'd say that the home building sector is probably a better spot valuation wise right now because it's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And you could say cements in that. You could say, you know, retail is in that because the retail strip centers will be built. You know, coffee shops will be built. You know, Home Depot type stores will be built. Or you can talk about, you know, the lumber, all that's going to be something under the umbrella of the home building area.
1: Yeah. And the infrastructure bill, if passed at the level and, and implemented at the level, will mean, as you said, Craig, more concrete, more steel, uh, et cetera, in those sectors. how do you How do you know which company may benefit from that kind of windfall of funding for infrastructure for roads and bridges, for example.
2: Yeah, that's where our the guys smarter than us, our analysts really come in, come into play there. We, we have analysts that do deep dive fundamental research in those industries. And they'll and, say
1: to you, if you're looking at concrete, we think this company yeah. is likely in a pole position, a lead position. Surprisingly, there's
2: not a tremendous amount of publicly traded companies that are in a lot of those industries. For example, hmm. uh cement. It's a very hard industry to get into. The barriers of entry are very, very high. So there's not, a, there's, there's probably just a handful of publicly traded cement stocks in, in the country. Um, like rebar that's, 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 you know, the big steel that, that, that rebar goes into cement and road building and right everything, you know, there's only, there's only two or two or three companies. I think, uh, two of them, um, uh, uh commercial metals and new core have about eighty percent of the market share. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a whole lot of ways to invest in those. But they're but they are cyclical, so you have to time your purchases right. But like you said, with this infrastructure bill coming and the next and our infrastructure here in the United States being at probably the worst it's been in 50 years, you know the next decade we're going to be spending a tremendous amount of money trying to shore up the nation's infrastructure. Yeah,
1: I think this is a is sort of a good place to begin to wrap it up and just sort of recap for people that if you are switching jobs, if you're of a certain age and you're beginning to think you need help in managing your money, you're going to have options between you're going to hear financial advisor, you're going to hear registered investment advisor, um, and you're going to have a lot of options. We talked about mutual funds. We talked about ETFs. If I understand it correctly, Clark, if you find yourself in 10 mutual funds, each of which have 100 stocks, you're now exposed to 1,000 stocks. I mean, there's no way any one person can weed through all of that and really understand fundamentally what they have, is there?
0: Well, it's, it's hard to definitely know what you own. And once you find out what you own, if you did compare the holdings of a fund with the other funds... You're going to see a lot of the same stocks mm-hmm. and you're going to be, in my mind, over diversified. Uh, I don't think an individual needs a thousand stocks to be diversified. I think that's too much. And a thousand of those, uh, 200 of those might be the same, right? So it is an issue when you have several mutual funds with lots of holdings in them, 100, 200, 300 holdings. You own a lot of stuff and a lot of similar stuff. So you're too diversified. So
1: that brings us, Craig and Clark, to this literally new product that you have for your clients and a product that you hope will um, incentivize new clients to, to, for your services. And not to make this sound like an infomercial, but this really is um, about how your company is different, how your approach is different, how it embodies kind of the approach your dad instilled in you. And that is individual stock picks um, and putting together portfolios that are a reflection of that. What's your greatest hope with this?
2: You know what mine is is that I, I see so many people and I talk to so many people that feel like they're they're not important to their advisor. They feel like they're too small or they feel like you know the, they don't get to, a chance to, to know exactly what the, the, the portfolio manager is even doing for them. There's not much communication. They feel like they, they kind of get lost in the shuffle, if you will. And you know, not only do you, as an advisor, do you have to do a good job managing the money, you have to communicate and show mm-hmm. transparency and know the customer and know what their needs are. And I think that's kind of where we pride ourselves in. We have a staff that, does great handholding is very open to any requests they have, and we just think there's a real void in the marketplace uh, for this type of service, and we feel like you know we can we can we can satisfy that void.
1: Yeah, and Clark, if someone calls you and says this is the industry I'm in, this is what I know about. Don't do you feel better knowing that they've had a hand in investing their money in something they personally know about and believe in?
0: Oh, sure. You know, that's the, that's the message we hope we get across here is that we are investing alongside of our clients in the same exact portfolios. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important factor because that's really not the case. I think if you look at the big firms out there, they're really not interested in the the medium, small size investor from an asset level they want to get as few clients as they can and they want with as, much, mo- money with as, as possible. much money as much money as can. Yeah, correct. So there's a big population of people that go underneath that radar that we would love to to you know engage Help, for yeah, sure. For sure.
1: Well I, I wanna say this because we we promised we'd talk about it, but I know where you stand on it, this idea that if you move, you bring your money with you. I would think a relationship, especially with the technology we have with email and Zoom calls and so forth, to be able to establish the relationship and regardless of where this kind of transient culture takes us, you continue that relationship. If I move to Seattle, I'm still working with you guys in Dallas. Yeah. Right? Agreed? Right.
2: right. Agreed.
0: And you right. want to you want to check that box off that says I've taken care of my retirement, and that's really the perfect client for us in this new venture.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you guys again, and I'll I'll give it back to you to to thank the audience, and and we'll talk about our next episode.
0: Well, thank you everybody for joining us today, and we look forward to next time. Until then, take care.
3: Hodges Capital Management Incorporated, HCM is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Hodges Capital Holdings and serves as investment advisor to the Hodges Funds. HCM is affiliated with First Dallas Securities Incorporated, a broker, dealer, and investment advisor registered with the SEC. This discussion is not intended to be a forecast of future events and should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk. Principal loss is possible. Investing in smaller companies involves additional risk, such as limited liquidity and greater volatility. No current or prospective client should assume that information referenced in this communication is a recommendation to buy or sell any security or is a substitute for personalized investment advice from your individual advisor. HCM does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor for any related questions. All information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable and is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. This material was created for informational purposes only, and the opinions expressed are solely those of HCM. HCM shall not in any way be liable for claims and makes no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and are subject to change without notice.